the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And oh boy, oh boy, we got a lot to talk about. And first, the author of Old Abe, Old Abe, a historical uh, novel, uh, wonderfully written, John Cribbs. I had him as a guest a few months ago, you probably remember, or might remember. And it, a lot of the book talks about the um, inauguration, and especially in the, the days between, well, the, right about the election of Lincoln, in the first time, and then through through the inauguration and the travels there to uh, Washington D.C. and it's kind of contrasts. And I will ask him something that I don't anyone I think anyone noticed. Um, Abe Lincoln on his way into town, he was on the train. He went through Philadelphia, as I recall, and they told him you can't go through Baltimore. You can't keep going on the train. There's a really a legitimate threat to your life. So Abe Lincoln switched trains and snuck into D.C. unbeknownst, left his wife and children behind on the train. Now, remember, <laughs> Amtrak is what Joe Biden was going to ride into town the other day, and he had to cancel that. So I, I think Lincoln was in a little bit more jeopardy than Joe Biden, but there you have it. Uh, all right, but let's talk first. What you need to know today, I am going to to spend some time uh, commenting on this incredible thing. So Joe Biden is in office for literally hours, three hours, two hours. And the first thing he does is he eliminates the protection that was put in place in the last few years for girls and women's sports teams, which is women's scholarships, women's opportunities, etc. And the executive order is takes away all that protection. So and it's only done for one reason. It's done because the extreme left in this country wants to protect transgender rights and literally if you're a boy who thinks you're a girl, transgender, you can now go and play women's sports, girls' sports. Up in Connecticut, there's a lawsuit where the, the guys that were um, went over there to compete in girls' sports won all the awards, and the girls were like, ah, I don't think so, and they sued about it. We had one of the lawyers uh, for that. In fact, we had one of the um, women in that case on the show, too. So it's extraordinary to see. But let's talk about this for a moment. Of all the priorities in America, that's ha- all the things that are happening when you become president— one of the very first acts is to is to basically gut women's sports in America. And as Abigail Schreier, who's been on this show a number of times and who is an author of some renowned, she wrote a book called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. She's a self-described not conservative. But when she went and she's, I think she, I don't know if she calls herself a liberal, but she's not a, she didn't come at this from the standpoint. In fact, she says she's got trans friends. She's got friends in all sides. If you read the book, she's not condemning all of the people. She's saying it's become a craze. She uses the right, the transgender craze. I would use the word cult. It feels it has the markings of a cult. I haven't studied it close enough to know for sure. I don't want to make that kind of characterization too strongly, but she calls it a craze. I'd say it's close to a cult. But no matter what, Abigail Schreier tweeted 
On day one, Biden unilaterally eviscerates women's sports. Any educational institution that receives federal funding must admit biologically male athletes to women's teams, women's scholarships, etc. And then she uses this phrase. A new glass ceiling was just placed over girls. This is a guy, Biden, who says he's for uniting the country. He just took he just took out the folks and 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 made it clear that this was not going to be an acceptable thing, that they're not going to have sports the same way or those protections. Think about that. Isn't that extraordinary to consider? Isn't that absolutely stunning to believe is happening in this country? You w- and, and more importantly, I, I just have to ask you, how can that be your first priority? I don't understand what kind of person, what kind of leader makes it an initial priority. Now, I talked earlier today and, with a friend of mine, and he coached um, sports. And he coached, uh, he had raised children. And he said to me, Ed, you know, you have to understand something. That's going to affect all kinds of things. And he said, certain sports, he said, like, he's a big hockey guy. And he likes women's hockey, women's ice hockey. I mean, you know, he likes boys' ice hockey. He thinks it's a great sport. And he said, there's simply no way that women's ice hockey will, I mean, will continue if a bunch of guys, biological males, come over to play. He said, it won't work. But then he said this. He said one of the things with boys sports is there's when there's a fight or there's an altercation, you sort of know how it's managed. And he said, and now you could have a fight. He said, he, he said, if a testosterone driven guy who thinks he's a girl gets roughed up in hockey, is there a fight? Is he fighting in a way? I mean, again, it, and, and his temper different. And it's just a disaster. And as I mentioned, I did a periscope earlier today that there are two reasons, two things that are stunning about this occurring about Joe Biden putting a glass ceiling over our daughters. One is how incredibly uh, mean it is to girls and how demeaning it is to girls and women's sports. But the second is how and what kind of people make this their first priority on the very first day. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing to have to, to have occur. And here's what I want to hear. I want to hear from you all. And I think women, I think parents should rise up. I think there should be parents who are calling their congressman, their senator, saying, what are you going to do to protect girls' sports? By now, there are literally millions, tens of millions of young women and women, adult women, who participated in sports and enjoyed it. This isn't the time we're debating whether women should play sports. We already decided that. That's not a debatable point. But Joe Biden and his team just decided that you're not going to succeed in sports if you're a girl, if you happen to be unlucky enough to live in a place where some boys think they're girls, biologically male boys. And and by the way, I think Abigail Schreier in her book says, look, if there's boys that uh, think they're girls, she doesn't even say they should be, uh, uh, you know, condemned or anything. She said the craze around the transgender is damaging girls is what she says is the biggest problem. But I think she said, and I would join this position, I'm, I don't, I'm not even arguing right now about whether people should be allowed to do transgender surgery or all that stuff. But they just shouldn't be allowed to play sports. Their bodies are different. Their physiology is different. Their body chemistry is different. I think we should be able to agree, even if we disagree on whether there should be transgenderism uh, and, 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 and surgeries and accommodations of other kinds. I think that's a different debate categorically than whether boys who, who are transgender th- can go and play girl sports. 
Again, parents should be up in arms. And here's another thing. It's not just that they take away the uh, the records. In Connecticut, the, the, the plaintiffs had sued, I think it's three women, three young girls, young women, uh, girls in high school age, maybe early college, were suing because they were they lost all the chance to compete in the in the uh, in the championships. But even that is secondary in the sense that I don't think everybody, you know, not everybody can win a prize. So we can't make it so everybody wins a prize, like, just like we can't make it so everybody gets to play in the NBA. But when it comes to team sports, and it's not just team sports, uh, sports in your uh, high school and college level, it's not, in this case, it's also dangerous. What happens if you played a soccer team and your team was all biologically born as girls and the other team has five biologically male who are transgender? You know, you're going to get beat, not just on the court, on the, on the, on the, the uh, pitch, as they say, the field. You might get, you know, you might get uh, roughed up physically because of the size difference and the strength difference and the impact. It's, it's just an absolute insane thing to happen on the first day of the presidency. It, although, as someone suggested, the left, when they get power, they don't mess around. They don't apologize for it. They don't explain it. You don't see the press corps, by the way, you know, make it a stink of this. Can you imagine the press corps now in the, in the White House is at least 50-50, boys and men, men and women. Where are the women saying, um, I played uh, college uh, softball and I'm and here I am now in the White House press corps. Why are you doing this? Nothing. So far that I've heard. We'll see. Maybe there'll be some crazy stuff, terrible stuff. If this is an indication of what we're going to get, it's going to be a long couple of years uh, and bad for our families and our kids. All right. We're going to take a break again. When we come back and I'll put up on uh, social media, Abigail Shires. Uh, excuse me. I always mispronounce her name. It's Abigail Schreier, Schreier, S-H-R-I-E-R. I'll put up her social media stuff so that people can track her down and follow her if they'd like, because she's very cool uh, and very good writer. And again, I don't think she's a conservative on, on every issue. I don't have any sense. But the book is Irreversible Damage. It's really important. And um, that's what we're seeing already. All right, we'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I told you we would talk in a few moments uh, to our friend Alex Newman, my friend Alex Newman, uh, of many years now. And I mentioned uh, that his book, Crimes, he's got lots of books, but the book that I can picture Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, and I looking at uh, is Crimes of the Educators, uh, How Utopians Are Using Government Schools to Destroy America's Children. And he is currently, he also writes over, of course, at The New American. People knew that. And uh, he has the Liberty Sentinel, which he started, Liberty Sentinel. Sentinel.org. And even more interesting, these last months, uh, I've seen him more and more in the Epic Times, which uh, the Epic Times, of course, has been emerging as a real great voice. So, Alex Newman, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. Well, before thank you, thank you. Uh, Happy New Year! Before we get to some more, to some different things, let me ask you about the Epic Times because you've been a guy who has been writing about the problem of communism and the communist Chinese, and and you've been on this, uh, uh, you know, for a while. The Epic Times, its emergence as a, a resource and as a source uh, for news as well as analysis, it's pretty extraordinary. And and really, of course, they they admit their their biases towards freedom in China, where they feel like the regime is is destroying that freedom but it's amazing to see that uh that um uh entity grow isn't it it's been extraordinary and to me it's been very encouraging because it is a voice of truth as as their motto says they're in favor of truth and tradition and i think every journalist ought to be biased in favor of truth 
And so it's been, in my view, very encouraging to see the emergence of this paper as really one of the dominant papers in the United States. The establishment media, when they do mention them, mention them very derisively. In fact, you've seen more and more slanders of the Epic Times in the New York Times and NBC, MSNBC, etc. But um, if you look just at the subscription numbers, the Epic Times is today one of the leading newspapers in the country. And I think that has the establishment and the communist Chinese regime very concerned. It, uh, I agree with you on that. It's fascinating to see at the same time that we see the sort of tech giants, uh, cracking down on speech. Um, and, and I think they did actually give the Epic Times a bit of trouble. I forget which one was it Facebook? Somebody maybe knocked the Epic Times a, a month yeah, ago, not, not in this. Yeah, yeah Facebook good. wouldn't allow them to advertise anymore uh, because their ads were perceived as being pro-Trump. And so Facebook banned them from advertising. I suspect in the go. weeks and months ahead, they'll probably run into more trouble with the social media companies because, as we've seen now, you cannot speak truth on these platforms without facing consequences. <sighs> We're talking with Alex Newman, and again, uh, you can find Alex all over the place writing, but uh, LibertySentinel.org is one of uh, his sites. It's got some of, uh, I would say, some of his uh, more personal writings about his own uh, uh, work. Uh, Let me touch base, though, um, Alex, uh, about teachers' unions, because I'm bouncing around a little bit, but you're an expert on a lot of these things. One of the things of this pandemic, the the, the problem of the pandemic, and and, and maybe the the even bigger question, the problem of the many solutions that have been proposed and enacted by the pandemic has been but maybe one benefit has been parents looking at the public schools and saying this isn't good enough uh however the dominance of the teachers union still and now president biden has said his wife dr jill biden is going to be in the oval office advocating for the teachers unions you know i how big a problem are are we in with the teachers unions is there any hope to change the direction what, what are your thoughts on this uh, time period Yeah, the NEA is an absolute disaster. It's a disgrace. I've written very extensively on this. In fact, the late Sam Blumenfeld, with whom I wrote uh, The Crimes of the Educators, he wrote a whole book exposing them back in the 1970s called The NEA Trojan Horse in American Education. Uh, It's incredibly dangerous. It's incredibly radical for generations now. They've been promoting socialism, the LGBT agenda. They've been promoting globalism and one world government in those terms. They don't even really shy away from those terms. They've also uh, taken to lobbying for a ban on homeschooling. They want to have a complete and total monopoly on the minds of your children. They are corrupt to the core. And when I say corrupt, I mean it is just shocking. Uh, I've had recent communications with somebody who has all the information from the inside, and they're going to be releasing that soon. They're going to be very badly exposed if we can find a way to get this information out. But uh, they are incredibly radical. But as you mentioned, Ed, there is a bright side to all of this, and that is we're seeing a massive exodus from the public school system. Uh, Some districts have lost 15 20% of their student body already, which is excellent news. The number of homeschooling families doubled in just one year from 2019 to 2020 went from 5% of families to 10% of families and I suspect with the extremism of Biden and Harris and the new Department of Education that exodus is going to turn into an absolute flood and then the war on homeschooling begins so we're heading into some very interesting times.
We're talking with Alex Newman. And again, I encourage you to go to LibertySentinel.org. That's one of his sites where his writing is, but also his perspective on a lot of uh, things. All right. I want to spin back, Alex. I know I'm hopping around, but I, I'm, I'm, my, my ADD is, is dominant today. Um, in the New American, you have a piece from a few days ago, about a week ago, and you're, you're speaking about the infiltration uh, of uh, U.S. media outlets, compromise is the word you used, uh, by China, uh, by the influence of the communist Chinese regime. I want to say it differently. Um, at this point 25 years into what can only be described as a a cold war with china it's not that cold considering what they're doing with fentanyl and other things to us but here we are um why tell me how the communist regime is not in everything we know they're in the universities your piece talks about how they're in the media but they're in everything right they're they're in real estate they're in business they're in everything and why wouldn't they be Yes, they are. And, and I've been following this trend my entire career as a journalist. Since I graduated from the University of Florida probably 10 years ago, I've been sounding the alarm about this. I've written articles in, in the New American going all the way back to 2010 on the Chinese espionage. I did a major investigative piece for the Diplomat magazine about the communist Chinese infiltration of everything, of media, of government, of military, of universities, of, of every sector you can imagine. Our, our companies, our most sensitive defense contractors, all of them are filled with communist Chinese operatives. Same is true with the United Nations. Out of 15 specialized UN agencies, four of them are run by actual open members of the Communist Chinese Party. They're Chinese nationals. Several more are run by uh, people who have openly expressed their sympathy for the Communist Party of China. So this is a problem of immense proportions. It is basically suicidal policies of the United States government, and I would say subversive elements of the U.S. establishment that have made this possible. But I encourage everybody to go read that article in the New American about the infiltration of the media. And then you will understand why the fake media has bent over backwards to cover up Biden's relationships with China uh, as the big guy, Hunter Biden's relationships with communist China, Kamala Harris's relationships, and especially her husband's relationships with communist China. This is a crisis. This is a national security crisis of enormous proportions. And the media is not talking about it because the media is owned by the Communist Party of China. With your, uh, we're talking with Alex Newman, with your, uh, uh, um, um, you know, kind of knowledge of history, the Soviet communists, how it played out, what's the best way this plays out? Right. I mean, what's the best path forward in terms of trying to get control of it? Is it do we need to expose it? I don't we need to expose it anymore. It's pretty exposed, but that doesn't mean we're doing anything about it. No, we absolutely need to take this seriously. I would argue that this is even more significant than the Soviet threat. And to people who live during the Soviet threat, uh, that sounds kind of crazy until you realize the Communist Party of China is actually significantly more wealthy and significantly more powerful than the Communist Party of the Soviet Union ever was. They've got huge numbers of nuclear missiles. They've got massive amounts of money. With the help of subversives in the United States, they've now sucked much of our productive capacity out of the United States and put it in China. They've stolen all our trade secrets, costing us hundreds of billions of dollars every year. Uh, they have us in a position where they can absolutely clobber us. We can't even keep our Air Force jets, a lot of them in the sky, without parts coming from communist China. So this is a crisis of enormous proportions. And I would say the first uh, thing that needs to happen to deal with this is to admit that we have a problem. You can't cure or treat the disease until you diagnose that disease. We need to be clear the diagnosis is this is a mass murdering group of gangsters. They have declared people's war on the United States. 
Their plan is to dominate the entire world with, of course, the help from their allies in the Western world. The people at the Council on Foreign Relations, many of them have helped this rise of communist China going back 50, 60 years. In fact, it was members of the CFR who helped sell China into communism to begin with. People like George Marshall, who put an arms embargo on our ally, Chiang Kai-shek, who helped us defeat the Japanese in World War II, so that Mao could come in, swoop in, and take over power. This is a crisis. It's not a new crisis, but we're now entering the final phases where if we don't get serious about taking this on, we may very well lose our freedoms and our republic. Hmm. All right, I got to leave it there. Alex Newman, LibertySentinel.org. You can check it out there. Also, his books, his many books over at the New American, as well as the Epic Times. Thank you, Alex. I got to run. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. And you know, this is such an important story uh, for us to cover, and I'm really grateful that we were able to get put this together because our next guest is Eric, I'll get to see if I get it right, Eric Keelunen, he, Eric Keelunen, and he is in Michigan, uh, and he is uh, going to fill us in. It's a wonderful uh, name, Cafe Rosetta. It's a, 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 a up in Michigan, a, a woman there who's the owner of that who has been cracking down on uh, uh, the American dream, as it's put, and, and Eric is uh, advocating for her as they try the Michigan rules on this about uh, business. Rosetta's Cafe, Cafe Rosetta is being uh, almost put out of business. So uh, welcome, Eric. How are you today? I'm doing well. Ed. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, so first, tell me the state of Michigan. Uh, and I misspoke there. Tell me how Michigan is handling, you know, the basically the state of play there. If you're a business and you run a, a restaurant like Cafe Rosetta, what are they doing to you? To walk us through what they've made the rules to be, then we'll talk about what's happening to uh, to uh, Cafe Rosetta and the ownership. I can do it in two words, arbitrary and capricious. Well, maybe destructive would be a third word. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's just been, you know, it was supposed to be two weeks back in November, and then it's another two weeks, it's another two weeks, and now they're telling us it's February, and, you know, we've just, we've just got a we've got a tyrant for a, for a governor that doesn't appear to listen, and I kind of got started in this, I don't know, nine months ago after the first shutdown when I, I you know, I just saw it as a political game. I thought it was an attack on Trump. Frankly, that's what I think this virus is. I'd rather leave it at that. I'm not going to get deep in that. But I got active politically, spent quite a bit of my summer working on that, trying to wake people up. And uh, it was kind of quiet for a while when Amy stood up. When they, they shut down, they went to another shutdown on the restaurants, and everybody was supposed to shut down. And Amy decided she's not going to do it. And I know her. She's from my actual, she's actually from my church. And, and I, I never knew her real well, right? So I went over and said, what's going on, Amy? And she started telling me. And I spent three or four hours with her. And I'm fine. I'm like, why are you doing this? Now, what is it that's behind it? And she just looked at me. She said, it's just non-negotiable. And she said huh. it in a way that, you know, just a sweet voice. And, and I, I kind of, I, it caused me to pause. You know, you're talking to somebody else and they say something that means something. And it's like, tell me what's behind that. And uh, she opened up and she said, well, look, nine years ago, I was a single mother where I was on welfare with an abusive husband. And I finally kicked him out and said no more. And went out on her own with six kids 
And her brother helped her out. They bought this little cafe and she spent the last nine years building this and rebuilding her life. And, and just, you know, I just, I heard it. I was just dumbfounded. I didn't know anything about it. Right. I don't pay that much attention. And I just said, Amy, are you willing to speak out loud? And she said, yes, I will. I'm not shut down. And I said, okay, I know how to help you. And uh, so we got, got the town active. And uh, I tell you what, there was a false alarm that went out that she was going to get arrested. And within 10 minutes, 150 people were standing outside the cafe. <laughs> wow! Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we we live in a very small town. I don't know if you know Upper Peninsula, of Michigan, at all, but we live out kind of in the middle of Lake Superior, on Archipelago, and it's beautiful. It's snowy, you know. We got snow nine months of the year, it seems like. But uh, yeah, we got a small town that everybody's supporting her. You know, you always got a few that don't, but largely the community has come out to support her. We started a one of the community members decided to. You ever heard of Give Send Go? It's kind of like GoFundMe. Um, right, right. Gibson, yeah, we have a Give Send Go campaign to uh, help her with illegal fees. We figure it's going to be 130000 depending on what the Whitmer, you know, what she does. We don't have a clue. But uh, we've been fighting our way through right. illegal battles. We've raised about uh, 60, uh, we're about 50% of the way right now, 65000 uh, She's 35000 into her bills right now already. So we're spending money. Uh, we got a PR team working with her. We managed uh, we managed to hire uh, David Coleman. He, he represented Carl, yeah. Mark, the American Barber. Yeah, uh, we yep. got him. We got him for representation. Uh, so if, if you're pushing this out across the country, I just encourage anybody that wants to help us up here. Uh, it's give, send, go. Look up Amy and Jake, and you'll find it. And anybody that mm-hmm. can contribute to that cause, we got a warrior who's not backing down, and uh, she'll go as far as it takes. And so, that's our uh, we're talking. Yeah, we're talking with er- Eric Lunen, and again, I'll put up on social media all the information here, and, and just walking through it again. So, Michigan, the governor's been a pretty. Everybody's kind of seen it. She's been a bully, but in this case, what the, what she's what the owner, what uh, Amy is facing, this cafe. Rosetta, it, it, at least the way it's written up, $1,000 a day is the fine that they could impose. Now, so first of all, how does that play out? Is that a, lo- a fine from your local county or is it a state? And then tell me about the sheriff, who sounds like a hero at right now. What's yeah, yeah, no, we, we, well, we have a few. We, so I want to straighten because I was actually writing a letter to the editor when he called. And uh, so I have my local health department, the Western UP Department, District Health Department, which uh, issued the original fine for 1000 and it was $1,000 a day. And then four days later, they came in, they issued another one for 4000 but then they quit. So that $1,000 a day is a threat that was hung over the head. We finally learned that until they bring it in again, they can't backdate. So that's it's not $1,000. So I'm just straightening it all this out right now. But bottom line is they hung 5000 on her and then the threat of more. And then uh, the state uh, the state came in, MDHHS came in recently and issued a $2,500 fine along with a uh, contempt of court through this uh, Wanda Stokes through Ingham County, which is eight eight hours away from us, which I guess is technically legal, but uh, you know it's it's, it's just kind of asinine what's going on in our state right now. That should have been, in my opinion, a local jurisdiction issue about what's going on. So, what's going on there is is right now all in with attorney PR and everything. Where we spent thirty three thousand five hundred defending Amy. We've got a local community that comes out. She's been as busy as she's ever been. We've ate largely she's only bloody restaurant open you can go sit in and we don't wear masks we just <laughs> right. we just enjoy lives you know come and get us and then as far as the sheriff goes, actually <laughs> yeah. in, in our county uh, our county is houghton county and mm-hmm. uh, brian has been brian mcclain has been very good about just you know live and let live and uh, we've been local our, our grassroots effort 
uh, we're hammering the commissioners and everything to uh, just, uh, we want a statement that just says, you know, live and let live. If you want to wear a mask and you don't feel comfortable going somewhere, don't go. It's up to you. But we're, we're all grown-up citizens here. We can do what we want. But if you pick up that one from Barriga County, Michigan, which is next door to Houghton County, they yeah. put together they they put together a manifesto. Every last commissioner signed it. The sheriff signed it. The prosecuting attorney signed it. The entire county signed it. That says we will not enforce the mandates. And that was, you know, it was led by Joe Brogan, our sheriff down there. Largely, you know, we got this group that went from we started having a meeting. It was forty people. Next meeting it was eighty. Next meeting it was one hundred and fifty. The last time it was two fifty, three hundred. And uh, mm-hmm. everybody's active. Everybody's active, and we're just, you know, hey, we we pound the phones every day. We call them every day. We remind them what they should be doing. And Joe Brogan stood up. So we got a manifesto out there that says, "Goodbye, Richard. We're not we're not dealing with you." And uh, the neat part, you know, is, I tell you what, I, if we could encourage anything, this is going national. Just yeah. go out and do your work locally. Look, I can't do anything to fix Lansing. I don't think it's fixable, quite frankly. But I can certainly <laughs> work in my back. You know, I can work in my backyard. And that's what right. That's what I would just encourage everybody to go to your local sheriffs. You know, go to your local county. And when they say, well, it's the state's job. No, it's not the state's job. It's our job. Let's take care of ourselves. And it's, I think, we yeah. have almost all yeah. our problems. Well, I mean, one of the things that, you know, a lot of us are frustrated that the president of the United States is not, you know, President Trump isn't serving another term. We They say, what do you do? And I, I think you're exactly putting your finger on it. Uh, you know, we, we we have a million ways to change our lives and make them a lot better if we get focused where, as you say, a sheriff, a sheriff can or a, or a local county executive can change the ex- whole way everybody's living. And by the way, we're talking with Erica Keelunen, who's uh, helping out with Cafe Rosetta up on social media. I'll put the uh, the website uh, to help out uh, Amy and her and her uh, her family and what she's building here. One last question for you, Eric. Where does it go right now? Is there a chance that the governor is going to try to do what? Drag everybody in state court, or is it a standoff where the governor's sort of going to leave you alone? What's your sense? My, uh, you know what? I'll know more tomorrow morning. So we're supposed to be getting a ruling. Amy was would have been on this call except she's on a court case right now, in a hearing. And uh, once she's done with that hearing. Uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know if that ruling is going to come tonight, tomorrow, or in the next week or so, but we'll have a pretty good idea because uh, they actually, the attorney, David Coleman found some, some law in the state of Michigan that made a lot of sense to me, but I am a partisan, so take it with a grain of salt. But I think she has a very good chance of this thing being shut down and ended. And if that happens, then they'll be able to do that across the state and push it. So the wow. judge might go good. in. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure a judge yeah. is hand-selected by Whitmer. And, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. All right, Eric, I got to run. Eric Keelunen, who's helping out at Cafe Rosetta up in Michigan as this uh, a business owner fights back. Hey, keep us in the loop on everything. We'll, we'll touch back. Uh, uh, we'll touch base with you again as you get more details, and we appreciate it. And I, I got to run. We'll take a quick break. I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Today marks the 48th anniversary of the evil Roe v. Wade decision of the United States Supreme Court. But victory can be found even in the most tragic of circumstances. Conservatives should not lose heart just because the fight is not over yet. Roe v. Wade, after all, was a direct affront to the constitutional principle of federalism and took the power to outlaw abortion away from the states and placed it squarely in the hands of an overreaching federal judiciary. 
This radical policy change rested only on an invented right to privacy, which has no real basis in constitutional law. Roe v. Wade was not just wrongly decided, it's a stain upon the image of our nation. With such an egregiously immoral outrage piled on top of a violation of federalism, piled on top of judicial activism, how is it possible for conservatives to find any victory in this mess? To me, the very nature of the odds stacked against us for all these years should be an encouragement. Think about it this way. In spite of all they do to knock us down, we're still standing. No matter how many times liberals break the rules, conservatives still fight on. That's the most valuable weapon any conservative has in his arsenal, the ability to stand no matter what. Pro-abortion propaganda may flow from the television and the public schools, but truth can still prevail if we remember what's at stake here. Save the babies may seem like a trite pro-life expression these days, but don't let yourself forget that real lives are on the line here. The pro-life movement is not built on empty talking points or political power grabs. It's built on the deeply rooted passion millions of Americans have for defending those who cannot defend themselves. This is a life or death fight we cannot afford to lose. Even 48 years after the tragedy of Roe v. Wade, pro-life leaders will keep up the fight. We'll not sit down. We will not be silenced. We will not stop until every life is protected and valued. Victory is possible, but it's only possible if we keep on standing. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Despite the outrageous pro-abortion stance of many liberals, the vast majority of American people value human life. More than ever, pro-life voices need to stay vigilant and be heard. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're not backing down. Please, join us in the battle for life at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. So let's wind up today. Let me wrap up a few things. Uh, one is uh, Abigail Schreier's book. I might have misspoke earlier. It's called Irreversible Damage on the Transgender. She calls it the transgender craze that's uh, damaging our daughters. Uh, so that's Abigail Schreier. Again, I'll put it up on social media. I hope you got that. And for those of you, again, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You can go over to ProAmericaReport.com and you can uh, get all these interviews and all the segments are posted over there. Also, you can sign up for the daily wink i hope you will what you need to know a daily email uh please go over there and you can sign other people up you can send it uh, to them whatever it takes it's a free newsletter each morning 8 a.m eastern time so do that also for those of you that want to be in touch directly to me uh, my twitter feed has direct messages open at eagle ed martin that's always good or you can uh, call me uh, call me excuse me email me directly ed at edmartinlive.com ed at edmartinlive.com and uh, you can also do that or uh, uh, facebook live you can get through that way and i have a texting number i give out that you can text me directly it just it's not a phone number i mean it is a phone number it's not a f- uh, the phone actually will ring if you call me, but but I don't answer that number. It just is for texting. 314-256-1776. 314-256-1776. Okay. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. Let's um let's finish up here and um finish up with what you need to do today, what you need to do today. Uh, here's what I want people to do. Um, and if you are one of the 74 million, you'll sit, stand in one part of this bucket. If you're one of the others, maybe you didn't vote or you voted for the other candidate or voted for a third party. I don't know. Um, but I want you to be aware 
there are starting to be some voices that are trying to back off uh, the insanity of people like John Brennan. John Brennan went on uh, television and said, you know, we need to root out all these bad people, these um, these extremists, white supremacists, libertarians, and others. You're like, huh? And uh, this is a growing trend, with the uh, especially on cable news, where they are speaking to the, um, the crazed themselves, and they're saying, you know, we need to eliminate people that dissent with us. As Bill Maher said, no conservative. He said, don't lump the 74 million in with the people that went into the Capitol. There were a few hundred that did that, maybe a thousand, whatever the number was. It looks like some of them, some large a large number of them were outsiders, leftists, uh, anarchists, Democrats, um, Antifa types, or black one, at least one Black Lives Matter guy. Although I heard someone say the other day that Black Lives Matter refuses to claim uh, this guy, John Sullivan. They don't like him either. Uh, but, the, but Bill Maher's point was don't put everybody in that bucket. 74 million Americans voted for Trump and voted for the direction he had. That's a lot of people. In fact, I said that to someone, I said probably 20% more of that number didn't vote, you know, on any given day. They were for Trump, but they didn't vote for, you know, for lots of reasons. By the way, that's true both parties. They basically say some number, 10 to 20%, will plan on voting and, and then they don't get to vote and all. So their sentiment is the same way, which means, you know, we're talking about closer to 90 million people, 90 million voters who believe in the direction of the Trump administration, and they're being lumped by John Brennan into some and others as terrorists and, and, and insurrectionists and, and all these terrible terms. Here's what I want to do. What you need to do is... <clears throat> Solidify yourself in terms of um, uh, uh, talking about um, what you uh, support. And, you know, you, you need to not be afraid. In fact, I have a button uh, that says 74 million on it and that I wear sometimes because I'm trying to I don't want to get in people's face, but I don't want to move away from what I believe either. We have to find some ways to kind of assert ourselves and uh, be confident and maybe find each other as part of it. So one of the things I said to somebody, um, um, I guess it was. What day is today? I guess it was Sunday evening. I was talking to a, a Trump supporter who was upset about the way things were going. And I said, you got to stick together with those Trump supporters. You got to find your way to the Trump supporters, right? You got to keep, when I said uh, a couple times, anchor yourself in what you believe, your faith, your, your family, and then how you understand uh, you know, the, the, uh, the truth of our country, the Constitution, the rule of law. And then move out into the communities. One of the communities is the 74 million, or maybe it's 80, you know, maybe it's 87 million, whatever the number. But for purposes of this, the 74 million that voted for, for Trump. And celebrate that. Don't let the Brennans of the world scare you off. Don't instead go with the Bill Maher's of the world and get more confident, not less, at being one of the 74 million. I'll tell you a very quick story. John Ashcroft told me once, he said, if everybody that voted for you, uh, everybody that tells you they voted for you, actually voted for you, you would have never lost an election, he said, as a candidate. It's true. When you're a candidate, people come up, oh, sorry you lost, I voted for you. You don't really know what to trust, who to trust. But here's the thing. That's 74 million. It's not, in other words, you're not alone and you're not um, a loner. You're not alone and you're not marginal. You're central to this country. And start to grow into that and feel stronger about that. All right, I've got to run. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our technical director, Joanna, for booking guests, and you for listening. Be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report.
is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.